Hello, I figured I would try something different. And with that being said, I would try to do uh, two book reviews in one. <laughs> anyway, um, you're listening to the Mr. Matinee. And these are two books regarding movies. I'll read you the titles first. One called High Concept, Don Simpson and the Hollywood Culture of Excess by Charles Fleming. And the other one is The Devil's Candy, The Anatomy of a Hollywood Fiasco by Julie Salomon. These were both written in the 1990s and are very uh, controversial, I don't know what you should say, insightful, um, a peek behind the curtain. Uh, some things that a lot of people already do know and a lot of stuff that people don't know. Uh, those kind of books. And, you know, clearly the subject matter is Don Simpson in the first one. Don Simpson, the producer of, uh, you know, many, very many movies of the 80s and 90s. Some in the 70s as well. Um and the subject of devil's candy is the adaptation production and post-production and aftermath of bonfire of the vanities a very specific film uh, from 1990 so one is a very narrow subject matter and one is a very grand large, all-encompassing subject matter that basically tells the story of the movie industry from the 80s and 90s. So, despite both books being, you know, widely varied subject matter, and there being some overlap in terms of the people involved in some of the, you know, in, in the books, in the in people involved in... Uh, despite some similarities in the two books having similar people in them in terms of, you know, who's involved in Hollywood at the time. And Don Simpson even wanting to play the role that Richard Belzer ends up playing in um, Bonfire of the Vanities, reportedly. And so even though they have so many different things uh, and are so widely varied, there's a lot of similarities too. And if I were to review these, I would say that basically they become toxic and unreadable at a certain point. <laughs> like, I know a lot of people harsh on reading sometimes, and this is pretty much uh, evidence towards that. Um, it's too much information. I don't know where this lady, Julie Solomon, gets all these interviews and gets all this information but she's clearly not a lawyer or a, a defense attorney a PR and she's not anyone but a writer so to to see everyone's agenda and why they answer questions a certain way and why she peppers in certain things and what her agenda is you get all these underlings to Brian De Palma you get all these people that were involved in the casting process the costume design you know fucking hugely famous people 
Anne Roth, uh, Richard Silbert, uh, stories regarding Peter Berg and his involvement in the film or lack thereof. All of these anecdotes peppered with such backhanded characterizations in almost every descriptive paragraph or sentence that you don't know who to even care about or think is being honest or think is actually a heartful individual. You got production assistants all trying to climb the ladder during Bonfire of the Vanity. I swear to God, there's like a 15-page description of them going up to Harlem um, to scout locations for uh, you know those specific scenes. And those just cut that entire part out of the book. It's 15 pages I can never get back. Literally. It's like... 15 pages of literally nonsense of Brian De Palma, like ignoring extras on, uh, of, of ignoring the, the crowd, uh, the onlookers as and they're trying to scout of people being cold and arriving in different cars and sets. Then like knocking the shit out of Richard Silbert, like making some really backhanded comments about Richard Silbert, who's literally like one of my favorite people in the film production history. Um, I mean, you can look up his fucking achievements. They speak for themselves. And his daughter is a very talented producer. And uh, anyway, I just found the whole thing to be self-serving of what agenda I can't really even fathom, except that people were so upset by the way that the book was turned into a movie that they had something to reinforce their negativity. Because uh, it, you know, peppers Bruce Willis in a negative light. It peppers, in my opinion, peppers Brian De Palma in like a awful, stupid, self-serving, disgusting light that you can't even. I, I mean, I, maybe people already have those opinions about it anyway. I got to some extent I did. Uh, but, you know, always with the utmost respect for his work. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's just. Uh, if I develop a personal friendship with him, it will be on my terms. I'm not ever going to tell him tell him that he doesn't come off as a completely self-serving, stupid jerk in a lot of these uh, parts of the book and a lot of the different stuff um, throughout his, his career. Um, but to that extent that he deserved to be... Uh, I don't even know what they're trying to really achieve with the book Devil's Candy. But um, I don't know why people like it because at the end of the day, who's to believe Brian, uh, this guy Schwartz, that's a, uh, or some, some character, some, 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 some assistant director, uh, who's to believe these small underlings uh, all adding up to the ultimate conclusion that Bonfire of the Vanities was a, unparalleled fiasco i mean and she doesn't even get some of the greatest insight that you could possibly get she gets tedium and i happen to really enjoy the film and i don't really find that any of the things that she brings up that are so negative are negative um i like the casting choices i like the different decisions that are made um do i like the decisions that are the people that are making them all the time no do I know all the context beyond what 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 she wanted to write in it? No, I don't. Um, some interesting anecdotes from the book, though. I mean, since you've gone through seven minutes of this already, uh, it said that Tom Hanks and Uma Thurman 
um, endothermic pressure off of like Dangerous Liaisons and some uh, you know other movies in the 80s and Tom Hanks you know doing uh, right after Big he's all set to get 5 million for the movie and he's going to be like having first refusal about who he wants to work with I guess or so he thinks but so anyway they get, they go in and they do a read through and um, I guess it's this omniscient narrator voice of her saying that the read through went well which I guess would be her getting that information from Lynn Stallmaster the caster and uh, Brian De Palma the director and maybe anyone else that was in the room but Tom Hanks thinks that the read through went horrible and that he will never want to work with her um, and that she's like high school theater equivalent or something. So that's random and strange and crazy. And obviously, I wonder if how that ever played out. Tom Hanks just like savaging Uma Thurman. Uh, so that's one anecdote in it. Melanie Griffith only was given, I think, one million for the movie. So Tom Hanks gets five million. She gets one million. Um, Bruce Willis gets got five million. I believe De Palma got five million or something. I don't know. We got a lot of money for it, but we got like at first five hundred thousand just to like get into it, and then through the rewrites he got paid a shitload, and then um, or through that whole process he got paid a shitload, and then for the directing and all that. So the budget budgetary information was totally interesting. Uh, you know, the details about how they were going to cast this stupid-ass judge from the Bronx to actually play the role of the judge from the Bronx. Oh, my God. I can't believe they went as far as to actually do a read-through with that dumb fuck and to do all that shit that they describe in that book, if that's actually true. It's, like, the biggest waste of money in, like, the history of movies. I, I mean, who would be able to... Who wouldn't be able to tell you that that dumb fuck judge wouldn't be able to play his part? And it makes it better to have Morgan Freeman as a black person. I don't care about the book. The book, I read it, and I didn't like that Judge character. I didn't think he had a fucking moral leg to stand on. <laughs> and I guess that was that's not part of it. It's just so... Uh, anyway, I really, really, really um, just have no interest in going further in that book. Um, so read it at your own... like interest or anything like that um they don't even talk about some of the cool shots and the making of the actual production of some of the cool shit uh, film wise that goes on in that movie um but anyway um that's that and then you got the opposite situation with don simpson uh or not the opposite you got a really large encompassing situation uh, it covers, but it's the same situation. Way too much detail in this one. Way too much salaciousness. Way too much um, unverified nonsense. Uh, there's like a 15 or 20 page chapter just about the sexual prostitution habits of all these individuals with really detailed um, stuff going on with that. So I don't even really want to get into that, but it basically point, paints many 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 hundreds of people in a really bad light in Hollywood um I mean I can just name drop them here but this is a book you may want to actually pick up um because it actually gives a little credence to maybe that Dom Simpson was not necessarily part of the underworld or part of like 
a secret society or something. But some of his anecdotes and some of the things that he does and says and how like masochistic and weird he was at times makes you really wonder if he was, you know, part of something like larger. Um, you know, specifically he brings reference to his childhood and how uh, this very dark stuff that you would only really say if that was possibly something that you partook in or you knew of others that partook in. Um, you know, similar to like the stuff that goes on in the hunt or surviving the game that he would participate in stuff like that. And there's quite a deal of quite a, quite a good de- degree of supporting evidence to that with others having been involved in those activities. Um, and if someone, if let's just say they're all lying about that to make themselves sound cool. Now that's really something to lie and make yourself sound cool about. Yeah. <laughs> lying and being involved in cannibalistic human hunting. <laughs> uh, so anyway, the book very lightly goes into perhaps it, it, it doesn't speculate or postulate that, but if one knows anything about that world and then one knows what they're talking about with Don Simpson and the shit that he was involved with, why would that by a person be doing it just on their own? It seems like it's a learned and trained behavior that he was involved with and exposed to at a young age. Um, but hey, that's just my take on it. Um, it goes through his like rise. Not really. It doesn't really go through his rise well enough, in my opinion. Like how exactly, like another thing to support of what I was saying, how exactly does he become this paramount executive? And then, you know, the fact that he flames out within two years is fine. But like, how did he become the head of paramount at such a, you know, strange point in the counter in the sub countercultural movement going on? I don't know. There's some weird shit going on with that. Uh, but he greenlights some movies that hit some that don't. He gets flash dance going. Um, I thought that was interesting. The development of Flashdance, uh, people that they brought in for that. Um, I thought the whole making of Top Gun was pretty interesting. Um, I find the whole book to be really interesting, but too salacious. So that one, I could probably keep getting through that because it's a little bit more about Hollywood history. And I, 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 I don't tend to believe what's in that more, but I tend to think that there's ways of fact-checking and finding more information about what's in that a little bit more. So, I could go on a little bit more about each one. I mean, Don Simpson, they, 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 paint, they paint everyone in a pretty bad light um, in that book. It's uh, that Jerry Bruckheimer and his wife were into some really crazy shit, and so was Don. Uh, they kind of did it, little things a little bit more cleaned up where Don would get really far into crazy shit, spending like, they say, 30000 a month on different drugs and things. Which, you know, things do add up. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the dude was a complete nutball. He wanted to, like, actually be an actor more. I believe he did act a little bit in the 70s. Um, but to think that he played a role or wanted to play, like, a really big role even more in, Don- in uh, Days of Thunder... And then he was auditioning for Bonfire of the Vanities and stuff. It really goes to show you that some people just don't know, you know, the temperature of the room that they're in. <laughs> I mean, what the fuck was that guy trying to do that for? Um, but anyway, as it gets through his demise and his the different things, I think I probably won't continue reading it because I don't really want to know more about him because the way that he's... Um, so masochistic and 
disgusting with different people and um, tries to find people that he can really rough up. And, uh, you know, despite that it's his sexual predilections, he's still physically assaulting people. And that those people really don't have the equal power dynamic. They're usually uh, street people or, you know, lower tiered people in the business. So it's kind of disgusting, to be honest. Um, so these have been two reviews of uh, books regarding uh, movies. Uh, one called The Devil's Candy, The Anatomy of a Fiasco by Julie Solomon. And the other one called Don Simpson. Uh, our high concept, Don Simpson and the Hollywood culture of excess. Thank you so much for tuning in. This has been Mr. Matinee. Bye for now.